0: Go with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 24. While you're doing that again, I know you've heard the announcements, but remember again, meet and greet immediately following this morning's service. And then we have be free at 5, prayer at 6, and church at 6:30. And my favorite preacher is preaching tonight, Bishop Wilson. Looking forward to that. Amen. So Wednesday night, Wednesday nights are always a big night, and uh, I've, had, I've had a couple of preachers want to come by on Wednesdays, and I told them, I said, I'm not bringing guest preachers in except for a couple of missionaries this year, because Wednesday night, Bible classes are so important, our grow classes, and, uh, and all our uh, first steps, and so we got Wednesday night, 7:15, all of our grow classes, our first steps. Our youth and children's classes all taking place in the sanctuary. I'm going to be continuing our series on prayer. I'm going to talk about praying in the Holy Ghost. And uh, if you're in one of our grow classes or one of those, you can you can find it online afterwards. They're, they record them and, and uh, air it so you can do that. Life group started back up. And uh, amen. I got a report Wednesday. We had a life group. I think it was maybe Tuesday night. And I got a report on Wednesday about how great it was from some folks, and so it's exciting, life groups are started back and uh, just, I'm thankful to, uh, to be able to have all of these things the 29th, it's Thursday everybody say Thursday Thursday, Thursday the 29th, we almost never do stuff on a uh, off night, but uh, this is one of the preachers, I told him, I said we're not having guests on Wednesdays, we're doing discipleship, I said but if you can come Thursday, we'll have, we'll have Bible class. So on Thursday night, the 29th, and on uh, March the 4th, which is a Monday, Brother Tim Green will be here doing uh, doing some seminars on the gifts of the Spirit, and so that's Thursday night and Monday night, uh, not a lot of, there, there might be a course while everybody gets here, but we're going to give it to him, and uh, it's going to be awesome, he'll be with us Sunday morning the 3rd. Amen. Proverbs 24 and 16. Amen. Brother Carson, I agree with you. I'd like to push this over 400 and just see God touch lives. Amen. Baptized four people last Sunday. Thankful for that. Baptized another one Wednesday night. Amen. God's adding to the church. Proverbs 24 and 16. If you found it, say amen. For a just man. Everybody say a just man. For a just man falleth seven times. And riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. This verse has a contrast between two different kinds of people. The just And the wicked. And I want to preach this morning on the difference between the just and the wicked. The difference between the just and the wicked. Lord, I ask you, God, anoint me. Anoint my mind. Anoint my spirit, my heart, my voice. Because it's the anointing that destroys yokes Not enticing words of men's wisdom But God the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost Show us your glory today God Do your work in this place Let the seed find good ground and bring forth a harvest today Lord somebody in this life Somebody in this room can leave with their life Transformed by the power of your word and spirit and so, God, I ask you to do it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand, clap of praise. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. It was the famous Greek philosopher Socrates who said that the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. French thinker Voltaire said, if you wish to converse with me, define your terms. And so it's probably a good thing to define the terminology we're going to use this morning, the terms that come to us from Proverbs 24. The contrast is between the just man and the wicked man. The word just simply means the righteous, those that are right with God. The wicked are the ungodly, the morally wrong, those who are separated from him. To fall means to trip. It's not, the word fall here actually does not mean sin as much as it means to trip. Anybody ever trip? A week ago, it'll be two weeks ago tomorrow morning, um, I was supposed to jump on a flight. I had to leave my house by 3 o'clock to get to the airport in time to make my flight. And uh, so I set my alarm before I laid down. I double-checked. It was green. It was set for 2 o'clock, 2.10 maybe, so I could get up, get ready, and leave by 3. About 4.15, my wife woke me up. She said, weren't you supposed to be gone already? And I hate, man, I hate being late. I hate running late. And so, man, I got up, and the first thing I did, I called American Airlines. I went in, and while I was talking to the lady at American trying to rebook my flight, I was brushing my teeth. And uh, we'd had a broken water line, and the insurance company sent out a group to, uh, to, uh, to. They brought one of those HEPA filters for mold, and it was out, and they had three big fans on the ground, and they're drying all that out. And I'm in a rush, and I come out. I come out of that bathroom with my phone on one ear and a toothbrush, and, and I trip over one of those fans, and I hit the floor, and I'm still talking to the American Airlines lady. And I don't know if she heard me go, oh, but I said, I fell. She didn't she didn't, she didn't act like she cared one little bit. And so I'm laying on the ground and I'm trying to take stock on how sore I am and if anything's badly hurt. I'm laying on my left side and I'm 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 trying to to gauge if I'm if I'm alive or not. And uh, and she says, Can you be at the airport for a seven o'clock flight? And I thought, and I told her, I said, if I leave in about 15 minutes, I think I can make it. And so I'm laying on the ground, booking a flight. Man, I'm sore. Oh, my, my, I'm sore. My, my left hip and my right shoulder and my elbow. And, and by the time I got to Florida, my little toe on my right foot looked like those olives in the salad at Olive Garden. <laughs> and it's not funny. I fell. I fell. It means to trip. I don't know if that's why I'm preaching this this morning or not. But as much as you're laughing, I could switch it to a sermon on hell in a heartbeat. (laughs) The wicked, the ungodly, the Bible said they fall into mischief. That word mischief, it doesn't mean like to be a mischievous kid that that is always into stuff. It means to be, they fall into evil or distress or misery or calamity or unhappiness to adversity. The ungodly fall, they, 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 they fall, they trip into distress and misery and calamity. When the wicked fall, they fall into trouble. When a just or righteous man falls they rise up again. The New Living Translation, it says this, the same verse in the New Living, it says the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. A wicked man only needs an excuse. The Net Bible says, although a righteous person may fall seven times, he gets up again but the wicked will be brought down by calamity. One of the recurring themes of Proverbs is how the writer contrasts the righteous and the wicked. The terms righteous and wicked occur together in the same verse some 39, 38 times in the book of Proverbs. Just the just and the wicked occur another nine times. The upright and the wicked occur another seven times. You you find this theme in the book of Proverbs underlined by 53 occurrences in one book that there is a difference between the righteous and the wicked. We strive for perfection. I think we ought to strive for perfection. I'm not saying we'll ever be perfect, but I think we ought to try our best to be as good a people and person and Christian as we can be. Amen. We should always be pushing ourselves to improve, to get better. Anybody believe that? Paul illustrated this principle to the church at Philippi when he made it clear that he didn't think that he had grown as much as he could or had accomplished everything possible. It's astounding for us to think of the man that wrote the majority of the New Testament, a man that was the first and probably the greatest missionary to say, I don't think that I've really done everything I can do. And I don't think that I'm really, that I've really reached the highest heights I can reach. And he illustrated this by writing to the Philippians in chapter 3, in verse number 14, when he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm pressing, I'm pushing myself. I've done a lot, but I can do more. I've come a long way, but I can go further. I've learned a lot, but I can learn more. I've changed a lot, but I can change more. I'm pressing onward, I'm pressing Upward, I'm trying to get closer to God. It reminds me of that old spiritual song that they sang. I'm pressing on the upward way. Anybody remember that song? New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Amen. And then he went on to write, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found, Lord, plant my feet on a higher ground. The principle of pressing is something that we need to become familiar with. Amen. We need to become familiar with the idea that we all can get closer to God. Amen. You know what I prayed in my personal prayer time this morning when it was just me and God? I said, Lord, let me have a personal revival today. God I want the church to have revival and I want, I want guests to have revival but God I'm asking you Lord to help me have a personal revival for me that's the idea that I'm pressing for more in God and if I could plant anything in anybody this morning one of the things that I would plant in your spirit is a desire that says God I want more of you I want to climb higher God, look, you may feel like you've reached the apex and the pinnacle of what you can do, but I pray that somehow the Holy Ghost would get us to say, God, I want more of you. If there's more, I want it. And God, I want to press on the upward way. Anybody feel that way this morning? Is that anybody's prayer today? God, I want to be closer to you. God, somehow over the next few minutes of this sermon, let me get closer. I'm pressing myself. The principle of pressing is not common in our modern culture. Modern, the modern world says, accept me as I am. Where biblical culture says, press to be more, to do more, to achieve more. Modern culture says, just take me how I am. Spiritually, the devil wants you to be satisfied with where you are. He wants you to lose your press, if you will. But God has a soft spot for people who just never give up. Amen. God has a soft spot for people who don't give up. I've preached it often. I'll preach it again this morning, and I'll preach it again soon, I'm sure. But one of my favorite passages of Scripture is John chapter number 5, beginning at verse number 7. From a contextual standpoint, it takes place at a, at a pl- it takes place in a location known as the pool of Bethesda. It was a place, a body of water, a pool in in the city that had a miraculous event that happened at some kind of a regular interval. The Bible said at a certain season an angel of the Lord stirred the waters and when the waters were stirred whoever got in first was healed Of whatever sickness they had. And so, as that certain season would approach and it would near, the sick and the lame and the diseased and the crippled would all begin to gather at the pool of Bethesda. Most of them had the benefit of friends or family that assisted them in getting to the pool and remained to help them, that when they saw the water begin to stir. They would help their friend or their family member into the water. There was a great disadvantage to those who had no help. But numbered among that multitude at the pool of Bethesda on that particular day was a man who had no friends or family to help him. He was left to fend for himself. Getting to the pool of Bethesda, for a lame man who was alone was no easy or pleasant task. The pool of Bethesda was near what was known as the sheep gate. The gate designated for shepherds to bring their sheep through for market or to the temple mount for sacrifice. Sheep are not the cleanest animals in the world. If you come behind a herd of sheep, you'll know they've been there. I'm just letting it settle in so your mind can know what I'm trying to preach about. Where sheep go, there's a mess left behind. You got it now? I don't need to elaborate anymore. Not this close to lunch. When you have several herds of sheep traveling on a regular basis through the same narrow gate and narrow street, what you have is a very messy street. It's not an issue to those who have someone to carry them to the pool. It's not an issue to someone with friends and family to help them get there. But to a lonely, handicapped man, who must crawl his own way through the streets and the gates. There's no way to get to the the pool of Bethesda without getting messy. And so when this man finally gets to the pool of Bethesda, not only does he have friends, does he not have friends or family to help him, but he also carries the mess and the stink of the world he came through on him. He's not attractive. Not only is he physically handicapped, but he also has sheep mess all over him. He stinks. He looks bad. He smells bad. There's nothing about him that is appealing, but he knows my only hope is to find healing when I get to that water. And so whatever I got to crawl through to get there, that's what I got to do whatever i got to get through somebody else may not like me but i got to get to the water one way or another i don't care what look now 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 you know you know how it is you know how it is if you've ever been on public transportation in a big city you hope to god that the person that stands or sits next to you has had a bath sometime within the last 6 months if you're sitting on an airplane and you're going to be on a flight for 16 hours to the other side of the world, you hope for two things, that the person that sits next to you is not a chatterbox, and that they bathe. And so, you know, when this man got to the pool of Bethesda, that when he found his spot to wait, everybody else just sort of went the other way, because, you know, it's the kind of person. I, I was on a flight one time, and... Uh, Oh, I shouldn't tell this. My my, my safety feature, my, my safety click on my brain came five seconds too late. I was on a flight, and uh, because I, I fly so much, I had status. And so I was on the flight. I got to load early. And so I'm sitting there, and, uh, and I look, and down the aisle, you know, seats are narrow, and I'm not. And I look up down the aisle, and there's somebody that outweighs me by at least 200 pounds coming through that aisle. And, I, and, and they're, they're, they're 15 rows ahead, and I know they're sitting by me for 16 hours. I'm not going to be cold, but I'm not going to be comfortable. And I just know it, and I'm trying not to look because that that look on my face, that. And so I'm just, and and so I close my eyes and I put my head down, and I'm just sitting there. And next thing I know, there's a tap on my shoulder. Sir, I believe I'm on the inside. And so I stand and I back up, and I watch this sweet individual work their way in that aisle, and praise God, there's a seat. Between us. But that feeling that I had in that moment of 16 hours of uncomfort, that's the way that the people at the Pool of Bethesda felt when they saw this lame man with sheep mess all over his clothes and arms and legs and hands from crawling his way through the street to get to the pool. And they all watch him as he crawls closer and they're all thinking the same thing I thought on that long flight. Please don't sit next to me. Please don't stop next to me. Please go over there by that person. Don't come over here by me because you're too messy. You smell too bad. You're too dirty. You're too messed up. Please don't come over here by me right now. But lo and behold, he lights upon a spot. And he sits there and he waits and he probably looks longingly around the pool and he sees a lame man whose children are with him. And they have him by the arms and the legs and they're ready just with their eyes fixed on the water to help him. And he looks to the other way and there's a man with good friends who have come through to the pool of Bethesda and this man's friends have him. By the arms ready to help him into the water. And while he's looking and surveying the crowd around him, this dirty, smelly, crippled man is laying by the pool of Bethesda. And about that time, a shadow lights over him. And he looks up into the face of a man from Galilee whose name was Jesus of Nazareth. And he looks up into the compassionate eyes of Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he asks him, He says, he says, will thou be made whole? Sir, do you want to be healed? Jesus is asking a question that he already knows the answer to. You wouldn't be at the pool of Bethesda if you didn't want to be healed. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have a problem. You wouldn't be here if there wasn't something in your life. You he, he, he wouldn't have drugged your impotent legs through sheep nests all the way to the pool of Bethesda if you didn't want to be healed. But still, he asked the question, do you want to be made whole? The man was at the pool of Bethesda with hope, but he still is a realist to some degree. And his response to Jesus comes in John 5 and 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. You see that guy over there? He's got his son with him. And see this lady, her husband's over there. And this guy's friend. I have no man. I've crawled through this mess by myself. I've come through these streets with nobody to help me. I have no man. And when the water is troubled to put me into the pool." Nobody to help me. I'm living life all by myself. I'm facing my problems and my troubles all alone. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's as messy as I am. But this is why this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Because he says, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But these next five words are some of my favorite words in the entire Bible. Because he says, but while I am coming, I know that I may only drag myself two feet before that guy helps his dad in the water. I know I may make it only one or two yards before that lady's husband gets her in the water, but I'm still willing to try even a little bit. The odds are against me, but I'm still willing to give it. God has a soft spot for people who press. Hallelujah. I've come to tell somebody your life may not be perfect. You may be messy. You may have a messy past. You may have a messy present. You may have so much stuff that nobody wants to be around you. But Jesus has a soft spot for people who came to church on Sunday even with problems, even with sin, even with trouble. He has a soft spot for people who are pressing on the upward way. Somebody ought to thank him that he has a soft spot for people. You may be messy. He walked by the clean to get to the messy. I don't know how many people. I don't know what a multitude. I don't know what a multitude is exactly. The Bible doesn't say how much a multitude. It just says a multitude. I don't know if a multitude is a few dozen or a few hundred or a few thousand. I don't know what how many a multitude is. But I know that Jesus walked by a lot of that multitude to get to one smelly, stinky, dirty man that's not willing to give up no matter what the odds look like. And can I tell you... You may not have a a name brand suit and tie on this morning. You may not have rolled up in a fine car. You may not have a beautiful big home to go home to. You may have a whole lot of mess in your life. You may have had to drug yourself through relationship issues and abuse and addiction. You may have had to drug yourself through all kinds of stuff to get here. But I've come to tell you that Jesus will walk somebody by somebody that thinks they have it all together to find that one person that says, God, I'm dirty, but I need you, and I'm still trying. I'm not perfect, but I've not given up yet. While I am coming. Oh, somebody ought to lift your hands to heaven and say, God, I'm messy, but I'm still coming after you. Lord, I feel a presence of God here right now. I'm pressing on the upward way. I press, I press the principle of pressing all these people to get help and they beat me to the water. But while I'm coming, I don't have much chance. But while I'm coming, there's a lot of people more qualified than me. But while I'm coming, there's a whole lot of people that could get better than me. But God, I know that I'm I'm not necessarily what you want me to be, but I am coming. I'm pressing on. I could lay here and make excuses about why I'm stuck like this. I'm a realist. I know I don't have a lot of chance. But I know that one thing, if I don't at least try, I'll never make it. And so Jesus has a soft spot for persistent people who never give up regardless of the odds. He loves people who make efforts, not excuses. And so there was a multitude, and Jesus walked among the multitude and found one man who refused to give up. And John finishes the story in verse 8 and 9, And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, And walked. You know what's better than having somebody to help you carry your bed? It's for God to touch you, and you can carry your own bed. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights, I'm gaining. every. He loves people who don't quit. I wish somebody would lift their hands. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. The devil wants to tell you you're too dirty for Jesus, but Jesus walks by the clean to find the dirty. Oh, I feel his presence here right now. The devil's a liar. If he tells you you don't have what it takes to serve God, you got to tell him he's a liar. You got to believe that what the Bible says is true. He has a soft spot for people who press. Look, you may have a whole lot of stuff against you. You may have a whole lot of obstacles between you and Jesus. But if you'll just keep trying, he'll overcome the obstacles for you. He'll find you. He'll find you. If you have that mentality I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm pressing. I'm pressing. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I'm not trying to get stuck in my sermon, but I feel God trying to tell somebody, you're not too dirty for me. You're not too messed up for me. You're not too messed up. I'm coming to you. If you could see him right now, he's walking through the multitude to find you. His sermon is his attempt to find you this morning. Oh, Jesus, this sermon is the shadow of Christ. Falling on you to let you know he has a soft spot for you if you just won't quit. Oh, Jesus. So he's not here for the excuse makers. He's here. He's not here for just the people who accept their life as is. He's not here for people who are just satisfied, but he's here for the people who just keep coming after him, setback after setback. He's here for people who are willing to drag themselves through the mess of their life to get a touch from heaven. And what's the difference between a just man and a wicked man? The wise writer of the Proverbs tells us the difference between the just or the righteous and the wicked. Proverbs 24 and 16, For a just man falleth seven times. reading this verse earlier this week and it it struck me that I don't recall ever thinking of someone that falls over and over as being righteous or just. But a just man falleth trips seven times. Now look, I know, I know this verse has a lot of words in between, but just look. A just man falleth. And then the last part of it says, the wicked shall fall. The just fall, the wicked fall. But the difference between the two is that phrase right in the middle. And riseth up again. You know the difference between somebody that's going to make it to heaven and somebody that's going to go to hell? It's that phrase, riseth up again. God, I messed up. Well, get up again. God, I hadn't been what I ought to be. Well, then get up again. God, I've got issues. Then get up. Just keep getting up. Because the difference between a just man and a wicked man is one thing. The just man just keeps getting back up. I don't have what it takes to be just. Well, can you get up? I don't have what it takes to be holy. Well, can you stand up? I don't have what it takes to live for God. If you can get up, you can be just. He loves it. The devil loves it when people fall. Can I preach a little bit longer to you? I read the verse to you last Sunday morning, Matthew 4 and 3, where it called Satan the tempter. He loves it, when people fall, here's what the devil does. Here, smoke this, drink this, do this, look at this, watch this. Flirt with her, flirt with him. Do the, He's the tempter, that's what he does. Here, try this, do this, do this. And then as soon as you do, you know what he does? He changes his, his mask from tempter to accuser. Look what you did. Look how dirty you are. You're no good, you're not worth anything. Why don't you just give up? Here he is on one side with the tempter mask on saying, do this, do this, do this, take this, do this. And then as soon as you do, one mask goes off and one comes on. You're dirty. You're no good. You're rot. Right, you got no right to live for God. Why don't you just give up and quit? He loves it when people fall. Here's what, here's what John wrote again in his epistle. In 1 John 2 and 1, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin. No, don't sin. Can I, can I tell you? Can I tell you? That there is a value in learning to tell yourself no. Everybody gets tempted. But at some point, you got to learn to say no. I'm not going to that website. I'm not flirting with that individual. I'm not putting that in my body. No. Fight for righteousness. Fight for your soul. Fight for your salvation. Fight to live for God. Strive for it. Do the best you can to try to be as holy as you can. But if you fall, don't stay down. The difference between the just and the wicked is the just man gets up, but the wicked man stays down. John finished his verse, John 2 and 1. I would that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Oh, I know they're dirty, but... I'm Jesus Christ the righteous, so I'm going to let them have some of my righteousness. Can I preach a minute more? Micah chapter 7 and verse number 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. Now, now let's, let's just be honest for a second, okay? How many has ever fallen? And while you were fallen, the enemy is right there in your ear. Ha, told you you couldn't do it told you you couldn't make it told you you were no good told you you'd be back Am I preaching anybody told you <laughs> standing right up against you saying you're no good you're fallen you're dirty you're standing right up against you but you know what the what Micah said rejoice not against me oh my enemy you better back up for when i fall i shall arise I'm getting back up today, devil. You've rejoiced over my mistakes. You've rejoiced over my failure. You've rejoiced over my sin. You've rejoiced over my addiction. Long enough, I failed, but I'm getting back up today. I shall arise. A just man falleth seven times, but ariseth. Oh, somebody ought to reach out their hand to a savior. Yes, Lord. David was a flawed man. David was a flawed man. His missteps and lapses in judgment were very costly to himself. But not only to himself, because you don't live life in a vacuum. It hurt his family and his nation. The list of people who died because of David's sins and disobedience is extensive. From babies to fathers to husbands and others, David was no stranger to failure. How did such a flawed man become so iconic? Because among all his flaws, he had one trait that differentiated him from many others. He kept getting back up. He learned that repentance and prayer and worship could bring restoration and forgiveness. One of David's most enduring Psalms is Psalms 37, and it reveals some of the most beautiful pictures of grace. And mercy, Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. That's great, Pastor. The steps of a good man are ordered. Great, that's good, but I'm not good. I fail. My my feet slipped. I've fallen. I've made a mess out of things. I'm weak. I've hurt people. I've hurt people that I love. I've hurt the people closest to me so frustrated with my step with myself the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord but I'm not good I'm fallen well let's look at the very next verse that David wrote verse 24 though he fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the lord upholdeth him with his hand see here's the way the devil does it you fall and he's like Lord, when you fall, he holds you with his right hand. So you won't be utterly cast down. I almost said cussed down. I don't want you to be cast down or cussed down. Sticks and stones. The difference between the just and the wicked is getting back up. Even if he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. God will not stomp on him. If he falls, he won't be crushed to powder. I've got a video I would like for them to bring up. And Sister Ashley, Brother Zach, about how, part way through, I'm probably gonna ask you to pause the video and then restart it again. But I want you, if you will, if they can get this video to play. I, I got it to play, there it is. This is the Olympics in 92 in Barcelona. If you'll focus on the guy in the middle in the blue and white one of the fastest men on the earth, Olympic and world gold medalist. Fifteen meters into the race, he tears his hamstring. The race continues. He spent his whole life to get to the Olympics. While the runners are finishing, now the race is over, and he's down, but he gets back up. There's no chance to win, but I'm not going to quit while I am coming. When I fall, I shall arise. Now, I want you to pause the video. That is not a random spectator. It's not a coach. It's not just a bleeding heart from the crowd watching his son run that day was a father who wished beyond hope that his son would finish the race and win the medal. He hoped that by the time they went to bed that night, he would have seen his son on the podium hearing their national anthem with a gold medal around his neck. But now the race is over. There's no hope. It's not going to happen my son is out there and he's hurt I can tell him how bad he is for getting hurt and falling and missing and losing but that's my son and so he comes out of the crowd you can start the video he puts his arm around his son though he fall he will not be utterly cast down His father will uphold him with the right hand. Anybody here ever fall? Anybody ever fall short of your goal? I'm telling you, there's a heavenly father here right now. don't have to run alone. You're hurt. I'll finish the race with you. You can lean on me. You can run with me. I'm not going to just leave you by yourself, laying there hurt. But your father's going to come down and let you know that no matter if you fall, I'm going to help you finish the race. I'm going to tell somebody here, God wants to help you finish your race this morning. You will not be utterly cast down. You will not be utterly cast down. You may have fallen and made a mess out of stuff, but your father is here this morning, and he's willing to put his arm around you and help you across the finish line. Don't quit. The difference between the just and the wicked is a just man gets up. Oh, why don't you lift your hands to heaven and stand with me this morning. Are there any Derek Redmonds in the house? I watched that little video the other day. And I sat in a chair in the room by myself and I cried watching the agony on that boy's face as he buried his face in his father's shoulder. And his father walked him to the line. I can't help but feel like there's some Derek Redmonds, its the name of that runner, that are in the house today you feel like you've ruined your race, but something inside says, don't quit. If you'll just get up and start, your heavenly father will come in right beside you and he can help you finish your race. Your fall doesn't have to be fatal and your fall doesn't have to be final but your fall can be that moment when the Father steps in and helps you finish your race. His eyes are closed all over this place. I'm reaching for people right now. Some have had dramatic falls and some inner turmoils and struggles. But this altar is open right now from the left to the right. I'm asking for anyone that feels like they've fallen to find your way towards an altar because your Father wants to meet you. While I am coming, While I'm coming, though we fall, he will not be utterly cast down. Oh, there's grace and mercy here right now. Somebody in this room could be Derek Redman's father right now, and you could come in among one of these sweet people that's come up and say, I need God to help me. And you could step up right beside them and just pray for them. Can you do it? Do I have any people that are willing to help us pray? Maybe you can come and just step up right beside somebody that's got a trouble, got a problem. I don't know what their issue is, but I know one thing. That though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, but his Father will uphold him with his right hand. Lord, I pray, while the group is getting ready to sing, while they're getting started, and while you're praying, I want to pray right now. Lord, I pray for these men and women and young people that have come up here today. There's no such thing as a perfect life. just man, even a just man falls seven times God, we're imperfect we're faulty we make mistakes errors in judgment, misspeaks sometimes accidental and sometimes intentional We fall. We fall. But I want to thank you, Father, because when I fall, you step in beside me. If I'm willing to get up, you're willing to run with me. If I'm willing to try, you're willing to help. Oh, somebody ought to be baptized in Jesus' name today. The Holy Ghost is here to be poured out. Go
1: ahead We fall oh, down. Oh, yes, Lord. But we get up. We Thank you, Jesus. fall down. Thank you, Lord. We get up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you,
0: Lord. Just man falls seven times, but he gets back. Me getting up is what shields me from becoming
1: wicked.
0: Oh, God, I pray for these men and women today. I pray for these young men. You know our frame. You know we're down. God, I pray let the anointing of restoration and hope come into this place. We fall down. somebody and pray one for another. Ask the Lord to grant strength. Ask the Lord for his grace and his mercy and his help. Amen. That's right. Keep talking to God. If you want to be baptized in Jesus' name today, we've got clothes, we've got preaching. We've got everything that you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And sometimes all it takes... To have a real change of life is to make a decision to do something. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you lift your hands? I still feel the presence of the Lord here. I feel like the Lord is strengthening somebody. How many how many came in and you'll be honest and say, I felt a little hopeless when I came to church this morning? I felt like maybe I was a little hopeless. There was a little I didn't know if I could ever do it, but now you know that God has his eye and his hand on you. Why don't you just thank him for it? No one is beyond hope.